Welcome to another edition of The Education Game. I am Matt Barnes. I'm with my co-host, Scott Van Beck. Scott, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. I'm back uh, in Vermont, and uh, uh, winter is coming. The, yes, falls, is. Uh, the, the fall is definitely here. Uh, most of the leaves are off the trees. So if you're in Texas and you want to see fall foliage, don't come to Vermont. It's all, it's, it's all on the ground. Unless you want to look at leaves on the ground. You you know, actually, you can come up and help me uh, rake my yard. Well, I just wanted to come up and spread COVID. That was actually my main oh, my main goal. But uh, that's a bad joke up here. Yeah, I'm sure that might be a, sure. that might be a good joke down in Texas. That's not a good joke uh, up here in uh, up not, here in the bubble. Not good anywhere. Let's it, get it, to that's that's our that's our uh, new new name for our state, not Vermont. The bubble. Well, I'm glad you're back in the bubble and uh, stay there. Keep safe. And uh, let's get now to our plays of the week, Scott. We've got lots to cover today. We've got a great show today for folks. Um, we're going to have uh, a, a terrific guest, Gaspar Mir. But before we get to all that, let's go through our plays of the week. And Scott, I've got a play of the week for you. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. I've got several, actually. Okay. So the first one is um, you may not have seen this because you're in the bubble. But ABC News here in town had an interview with uh, a few parents, one who, who chose to send their child back to school and one who chose to keep her child at home. And I was just really stunned by the commentary around this. So just a couple quick notes. So 59% of families sent their kids back to school. Uh, 41 uh, are staying online. But, wow. the inter- but the interview, here's the, here's the key point, Scott. The interview had a parent who sent their child back to school and said that her reasons for sending them back to school were, were that she was afraid that their child wasn't getting the education that they need. So they sent them back to school. Uh, they were also afraid that's keeping them at home was they were going to miss out on uh, so many things that the child likes about school, like recessed, like recess, excuse me, like um, the lunch experience, uh, like the interactions with students and other classmates. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they went, she went and listed all the things that she's preparing her child to do. Like recess is going to be different, uh, prepackaged lunch. You're probably going to have lunch in your classroom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So she's worried that her edu- child's education is not what it needs to be. And so she's sending it back to, back to school. Scott, what do you think of that? Well, my first uh, reaction is disappointment, um, that, uh, parents cannot be more creative, uh, around thinking about social interactions uh, other than just sending them uh, to places called schools. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a small town in rural Iowa. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, the kids that, uh, uh, you know, were in my school, they were around me uh, in the town. Uh, they were around me uh, in the backyards. Sure. Um, so I like you, you and I have talked about this. I, it, it, there's something about the space of school that uh, we all think uh, we need to send our kids to. And yeah. what I'd really like parents to start thinking about is like learning can, uh, can occur and social interaction, by the way, can occur in any space. Like, well, let me give you the other side of this. So the, the parent they interviewed yeah, sure. that, that's, that chose to keep her child at home she said, and I have actually reached out to this parent, by the way, she said that um, she's really eager for adults to 
and this is her quote, to rethink education, which to me, that's the key question because I'm actually not disappointed when families send their child back to school. I'm realizing that parents think that their child is going to get a great education in their school when you, Scott, know, and I know that that is more than often not the case. So well, let's, let's just put it this way, Matt. Yeah. Um, even if they get a good education, I think what we should reframe and we should ask parents is, so what is the potential of learning, right? Mm. You know, so, so good is not great. And, uh, you know, my experience is there's a lot of schools that offer good learning in certain, you know, aspects of learning. Uh, but like overall across the board, uh, I did not see very many schools offer great learning to every kid. And, yeah. and may yeah. I say, this is something that we're going to talk to Gaspar Mir about, uh, because it, when he was leading uh, the parent and community involvement work in uh, the Houston Independent School District, he, he felt the same way back then. Yeah. And I think he uh, feels the same way now. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, this a question of what is a good education, what, or maybe even differently, how do you know your child is learning? What could they learn? What's the potential? I think those are all great questions, Scott. All right, here's my next play of the week, and then we'll get to a quick interview or with Gasper. Um, I watched a YouTube video that has been circulating for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years maybe, called I Sued the School District. It's very well done. It's essentially a, a challenge to the idea that school is the best place for kids to learn and that the environment and structure of school is the ideal place for children to learn. And so I'm gonna, we're going to create a link for that for people to explore it. But um, how would, if, you, if you sued the school district, Scott, what would be the arguments you'd make to, uh, to, to say that they are not doing their job? Yeah, so first of all, uh, if uh, you look at uh, uh, law in Texas mm -hmm. uh, or law uh, across most of the other uh, 49 states, it is very, very difficult to sue a school district, Yes, uh, let alone win. Um, I think uh, extreme uh, malpractice in terms of corporal punishment and bus accidents, if, if my memory serves, uh, is the only way to uh, sue a school district. Mm. Uh, as a as a parent in the state of Texas, uh, but my thought about uh, you know the the parent that sued the school district is how many other parents are ready to sue the school districts because they're unhappy with the product that uh, they're either providing on campus or now they're sending home. Yeah, uh, and uh, this is something that we're uh, going to talk to Gasper Mir about. What is the role of the the parent uh, moving forward and and how can parents uh, put pressure on schools to provide a, a, a better learning atmosphere and a better learning product and a better learning outcome for their kids? And, uh, you know, I, I've met a lot of people, Matt. Yeah. Gasper is, uh, is the guy to talk to on this subject. Awesome. Awesome. We'll look forward to that part of the interview. We'll be back in a moment. This is The Education Game. So we're back uh, with the education game. 
I'm Scott, he's Matt, and um, I'm really excited uh, today. We have a, uh, a really good friend of mine, but I, I think more importantly, a good friend to all of the parents that are in Houston. Uh, this guy's name is Gasper Mir, and uh, Gasper has been around public education. He's, he's an accountant by trade and by, by profession but he has gotten the uh, public education itch quite a few years ago. And um, I've known him in a, in, a, in a couple of roles. So the first time I met Gasper, he was uh, the executive assistant to uh, Kay Stripling and uh, did a great job uh, offering some really sound advice to Dr. Stripling as she led HISD. And then he took over for the uh, parent and community uh, engagement work uh, inside the district. And Gasper and I worked side by side when I was West Region Superintendent. And then he was uh, one of my board members uh, when I was at uh, Houston A Plus Challenge. So Gasper, welcome to the education game. So uh, so nice to have you on today. It's good to see you, Scott, and uh, be with you. And obviously, I know you've always been committed to education as I have been, uh, public yeah. education. And it's a, a challenging uh, game. It's a challenging uh, part of what we have to deal with, um, but it's so important, more important than ever. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, excited that you used the word game uh, because uh, Matt and I uh, sort of see this as a game and uh, connected with a game. I, I, I wrote a blog uh, this week called The Art of Negotiation. And it's, it's going to be posted on the educationgame.com. Uh, but I thought, what a great guest to have on the podcast mm-hmm. this week as we talk about not only negotiation, but really uh, the power and influence of parents. And uh, one of the things that I wrote on the uh, blog is, uh, you know, when I was a principal and parents would come into my office, one of the things that I realized early on is no one, no one at the school, including myself, knew that kid as well as that parent did. And so there's, you know, there's a power there, right? But let's, let's just get to a couple of questions. Um, so when, when, when you were in your, uh, your role as, uh, as a parent and community leader in uh, HISD, what kind of power do you think parents should have brought to the school and what were some of the problems included when they, for whatever reason, didn't bring that power to the school to either help their kids or protect their kids? Well, first of all, I think of parents as being a, a tremendous resource more than quote a power. A uh, tremendous resource for the schools and for public education that is relatively speaking untapped. And I will also say that in large urban districts, an additional challenge is that our parents all bring those resources, but in many respects, only a very few, a very small part of our of our parent population is prepared to effectively bring those resources. A vast majority of our parents today in large urban districts, uh, unfortunately, aren't as prepared. Uh, They don't know the school systems. They don't know public education. 
they don't know their rights. They don't know what's involved in, in the education of their kids. They take their kids to school. They want to be involved. They just don't know how. And, and uh, the school districts, in my opinion, most of the schools, many of the schools just don't know, ha, uh, don't know how to deal with that and have not been prepared. Now, are they prepared in any way to effectively work with those parents? Uh, and it's going to take a lot more. Yeah, you know, Matt, uh, Gasper almost gave uh, the education game a, a public service announcement uh, with what he just said there, right? Yeah, no question, no um, question. Yeah, so 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 one of the things I talk about uh, in in the uh, in the blog is uh, I saw a lot of middle class parents knowing how to negotiate with schools, but uh, I didn't see very many low income families having those skills. Is that kind of your experience too, Gasper? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And right. again, like, yeah, go ahead. No, uh, again, many of them are particularly in, in Houston and are in Texas, where we have many uh, uh, undocumented or many immigrants that have first come. They just don't know our public education system. But even putting those aside, you have those that have been here, but have never really effectively been engaged by the schools. So they don't know the system. Uh, and so that that's a tremendous challenge for a large majority of, of our kids and our parents that are in, in our uh, urban school districts. So, because this is one of my feelings when I worked inside of, of the district. And uh, I, I got the feeling sometimes schools really weren't interested in engaging with parents. Um, again, was, was that your experience? And if so, let's talk about the other side, right? So, Parents, you know, especially low-income parents, immigrant parents. Well, let, let me interrupt you, yeah. Scott, on that first part. I I think that's true because one, it takes added time. Yes. Parents are are and and that's why in our community engagement, parent parental engagement, we talked of it in partnerships. It should be a partnership. It has to be a partnership between the schools the classroom and the parents. And, and the schools, many of the schools never really recognize that. They don't recognize that a partnership has to exist. And for an effective partnership has to exist, there has to be transparency, there has to be uh, uh, adequate communication, constant communication, and making sure that both parties have all of the information necessary to engage. Um, Schools and the teachers and the principals were somewhat receptive to dealing with, quote, good parents, parents that that were well-educated, new schools, et cetera, could come to the to the schools and bring resources and do. That's easy for them. But when it gets down to difficult issues or having to really work to engage that they have they have as a very, very low priority, if at all. Uh, something of interest. So there really is, you can go to some schools. And in fact, I had a superintendent, area superintendent, told me one time, uh, Gasper, in many of our schools in the West Side, we don't have much of an issue with parents. They make sure that they're involved, etc. In my other poor district, uh, poor schools, yeah, we don't have that uh, as, as, uh, as something that takes place. So 
yeah, it, there's just a tremendous difference. If it's easy, then yeah, the, the schools can, can be engaged, but uh, otherwise they just, it's a low priority. Yeah, you know, that is such a uh, important point that you just made. And that is, um, it, it seemed as though, at least when I was uh, in the district as a, as a region superintendent, uh, the de- degree of difficulty of reaching out to parents and bringing them into the school, uh, if that degree of difficulty was too high, uh, then that school probably was not going to make that effort. Uh, yeah, so there, there were exceptions for sure. Uh, and uh, uh, usually it, it had to do with a, a charismatic principle. But uh, more often than not, you know, the schools that really needed parent engagement, for whatever reason, they just didn't reach out. Um, do, you th- do you think, you know, just thinking back, because it's been a while since we, both of us have been in the district, do you think that part of that reason was schools were, so, were, were just so busy and maybe too busy preparing for standardized, high-stakes standardized tests? Oh, I, I definitely think that's part of it. I think another big reason is the um, the lack of effective parental organizations. Again, you come back to there has to be a process, uh, there has to be a structure to to uh, bring this about. And and at one point in time, when you had effective parental or parent teacher organizations or parent organizations, uh, then that can be a, a major resource to the principal to effectively do that. And again, in your real strong schools, uh, you had those organizations. And in your poor schools where you didn't have leadership, you didn't have structure, you didn't have the processes, uh, it it was non-existent. Hey, hey Gasper, uh, let's let's, uh, follow up on that point. Uh, We're going to take a break. Uh, This is Scott and Matt, and this is The Education Game. Now, I'm going to take a moment to thank the sponsor for this show, Community Health Choice, which is a insurance company focusing on kids and families. Now, why would an insurance company sponsor a conversation about education? Well, the answer is because it's all connected. Child's physical health, their mental health, their academic health, it's all connected. And Community Health Choice realizes that families are central to the health of a child, whether that is in school, whether that is in the medical environment. So thank you, Community Health Choice, for sponsoring this show, and thanks for your leadership in the community as well. So uh, we're back with the education game. Uh, I'm Scott. He's Matt. and I, sh- uh, I still guess... am Matt, Scott. I still am. <laughs> That's right. I just, I just said that. Yes. You're Matt. I'm Scott. And our guest today is Gasper Mirror. And uh, Gasper is a uh, renowned accountant uh, in the, uh, the city of Houston, uh, quite a, a community leader. Uh, but uh, the reason why he's on the, uh, on the show today is uh, he's got a uh, special ability, capability, and interest uh, around parents and uh, specifically parents getting engaged uh, in their uh, their children's school. So Gasper, uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, parent organizations 
And uh, I'd like you to, to just say a bit more about why those parent organizations are important. And um, can, I, can I just say that, like, it, you know, in my experience, uh, again, the parent organizations usually showed up at middle class schools uh, and not necessarily low income schools. So maybe you can address some ideas around how we get parent organizations more active in those schools that really need them. Well, uh, you know, I was, I was fortunate, as you know, uh, to work at the school district at Houston Independent School District uh, for, for five years. And four of those years, as you mentioned earlier, I was over community and parental engagement. And uh, we called it the Department of Strategic Partnerships. And that was very, very important to us because uh, we truly believed in partnerships and parents being the major partners, as I said earlier. The parent organizations at schools I found to be critical for effective parental engagement at most of the schools. And it was disappointing to find in the experience, as you said, uh, Scott, in the, in the stronger middle class areas, there were strong parental organizations. And in, in, in the vast majority of the schools that were on the poor uh, uh, families, you didn't have it or you had very uh, ineffective ones. And uh, you, have, you had two different organizations, parental organizations that could have been established. One was through the state organization, the parent-teacher or PTO organization, which offered a structure that schools could use and the other one was, the, I guess, the PTO. One was PTA, one was PTO. Yeah, I think the uh, state and national are, is the PTA, and then uh, some of the schools had local, local uh, parent PTOs. groups called PTOs. And, yeah. and the PTA was so structured that it was very ineffective in, in the ones that I went to. Unfortunately, they focused so much on the structure part uh, that it made it ineffective. The PTOs could be effective, but it was dependent on the leadership at each school to run it and make sure that they had the leadership uh, to make sure all the tax filings were done, et cetera. And, and unfortunately, in, in the weaker schools or where they didn't have that leadership, many of those organizations ended up getting into trouble, financial difficulties, et cetera. So it was a real dilemma, unfortunately. And I think that's a gap that exists today. The, the value of those organizations is that it helps the parents uh, really uh, organize and not only support the schools effectively, but as it deals with issues that may come up affecting the students, organizes them and helps them become more prepared to better, if you will, negotiate with the schools and the principals and the teachers to deal with the issues. Without that structure, it makes it almost a one-on-one -on -one situation, which the parents have no, generally, or are not as prepared or cannot effectively deal with that negotiation. That's why I think the organizations are so important, not only to provide information on a timely basis to the parents, but more importantly, be an advocate for them and helping them deal with issues affecting their students and also supporting the schools. Um, unfortunately, again, 
um, th most of the schools do not give any attention or any resources in making sure those are done effectively, which I think is, is unfortunate. And the school districts generally do not. So I think it's a major gap. I think that that is something that without, uh, it's, it's very difficult to establish effective processes for that engagement of parents because it's all very unstructured and unorganized. So um, I think that's been uh, one of the major areas that I saw that uh, just, again, uh, there was very little attention to. And uh, in spite of us bringing it up numerous cases and trying to come up with different ways to assist the schools to do that, uh, we never could get any attention given to that area. Well, let me jump in here now, Gasper and Scott. I, you know, my sense is that part of the reason that it never seems to take off is because there's misaligned incentives, meaning a school, and Scott, you may be able to speak to this, a school really at its core, if, if, if they have a lot of truly engaged parents, it's going to make leadership of that school much more difficult because parents are going to be consistently advocating for things that they think their children need. And a system, an educational system, really wants one size fits all because it's efficient, not effective, but it's efficient. So, I, Scott, I'd love you to speak to that. And Gasper, if you think that that may be a kind of a core barrier that's preventing some of the true engagement that we think we need. Yeah, so I, I'd really be interested in what Gasper has to say. But uh, out, out in the field, Matt, um, I, I got to be honest, uh, you're right. We weren't built to uh, offer customized service uh, to each uh, parent. Most schools and most districts, at least when I was uh, working inside of those places, uh, they are standardized. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel bad about it, but, you know, we really expected parents to fit into us instead right. of us fitting around parents. Uh, but what do you, what do you think about that Gasper? Oh, I, I think that's been true. And I think that that's the paradigm shift that has to be made. That's why I always emphasize parental and community engagement, uh, particularly in the, in the areas where you don't have the strong financial resources. Yeah. Uh, I believe that all parents, all of us want, primarily a good education for all of our kids. That's what the schools want. That's what the school district wants. That's what the parents want. Yes, there are other things that come into play, but bottom line, we want all of our kids to be educated. And as parents, I know the parents that I work with, they, that was their primary concern. There were other issues that came up, but the primary concern was that education. So I think you can get everybody on the same page and focused on the same direction. Uh, the parental parents may not be able to bring the resources, but they can bring the community uh, area, the area community to bring resources to the schools to help the schools get done what they want to see get done uh, to help in, in dealing with the financial part. Hey, Gasper, uh, uh, one final question, and then uh, we can just kind of uh, banner about if we've got more time. But uh, so with all of your experience around working with parents, uh, sort of moving forward, uh, you're a parent yourself. Uh, you and Becky have wonderful, wonderful grown children now. Uh, uh, 
what would be your wish uh, for families uh, and parents moving forward uh, as they work uh, with this thing that Matt and I call the education game? Do you have anything that uh, that you've thought about uh, that that you know is is wishful? You know, Matt, I've always said, and I still come down to uh, Scott that to me the most important thing that that I wish the school system would do were to focus on uh, developing better teachers to have in every classroom. Uh, we just do not have a sufficient number of top educators, teachers in every classroom. And until we do that, until the school systems recognize that they have to do a better job of developing their educators to be in every classroom to deal with the students we have today, we're just not going to be able to, to provide them the education that we need. Uh, well, the only thing I can say to that is uh, amen, Gasper. So I think it goes hand in hand, right? Stronger parent uh, involvement, better teachers uh, in the classroom. Well, um, and I will emphasize, and again, emphasize, parents are tremendous resources, whether they're from the lower economic level or not. It does, they, there is nothing more important than the education of their kids. And they yeah. will bring and help bring resources to help bring that about if they're better prepared, informed, and organized. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, uh, we've run out of time with Gasper. Gasper Mir, expert parent and community involvement thinker. Gasper, it's so great to have you on the show today. And uh, the next time I make it down to Texas, uh, we're going to have to uh, to meet up and uh, share some more thoughts. Please do. Please do. This is Matt and Scott, and this is The Education Game. back with the education game i'm matt and this is dr scott uh wow i love hearing from gaspermeer scott that was uh, another example of his wisdom showing through to uh to a real interesting moment we have with families and, and engagement what was something you took away from that scott that's kind of the the nugget well i'll tell you matt for me uh it was uh when gasper started to talk about structure the need for parents to form structure around not only individual interests of their children, uh, but probably uh, if you get 10 parents together uh, at a ball field, uh, they're going to come up with three or four common interests. So it's, it's really that, um, you know, Gasper talked about uh, the national uh, PTA. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not so interested in that. I, I don't think you are either, but uh you and I were talking at the break uh, about sort of these hyper local yes gatherings right right um, yeah you want to share more about that because yeah. I thought uh, what you were uh, saying at the break was quite interesting yeah so you know I've worked with parents as you know for you know ten years now and what I saw over and over again was that one parent would have a legitimate legitimate gripe, gripe about something going on within the school. Uh, I knew that other parents had the same gripe, but those parents never connected. And so now parent A, who has the gripe, will go to their teacher or their principal and say, here's my problem. I got an issue here. And, and, and almost without fail, the principal 
kind of dismiss that concern. Um, and I kept saying to parents, okay, guys, we got to get smarter about this. If multiple parents have the same concern, why don't the five of you or the 10 of you now visit the principal as a group to explain your concern? And so, Scott, to, you know, as a former leader of, of schools, you know how differently you would respond to one parent coming in and, and, and you know, bringing up an issue versus 10 parents, right? Yeah, totally, totally different. Yeah. It, so that- it, it, is, it is really so easy to dismiss a individual parent concern. Yeah. I, I hate to admit that, but uh, I've done it. I've yeah. seen it done. No, it's, it's and, just, uh, I, yeah. you know, Scott, I, and we, I'm going to have a blog about power at some point, but this is really what it is. It's a power differential where the school holds all the cards. The parent who is unable to make choices then really becomes stuck. And, you know, some use the argument, they become a slave. They don't, they don't have a back pocket option. So they have no choice, but to accept whatever the school gives them, whether it is something that they like or not. And, and I don't use that word lightly either, by the way. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on. Uh, yeah. Scott, you've got a great new blog that's just come out. Uh, would you like to tell our listeners about it and maybe direct them to that? Yeah. Well, I talked a little bit about parts of it uh, when we were uh, talking with Gasper. Yeah. But uh, I guess I'd like to share two more pieces. Mm-hmm. I think this is part one to this yeah. blog around Definitely. the art of negotiation. Definitely. And uh, so I've thrown out a statement and three questions mm-hmm. uh, that parents can learn uh, and use as they negotiate with anyone around uh, their child's or children's learning. That's right. Uh, but most importantly, the school. And I'm not going to share the questions. Nope. Uh, I want everyone to go to the blog uh, and read it. Right. Uh, the educationgame.com. Yeah, the educationgame.com. Uh, just hit, hit the blog uh, icon on, on the top, and mm-hmm. uh, that'll take you not only to my blog, but, uh, you know, Matt's blog, uh, I just noticed, got uh, retweeted. That's kind of hard for me to say uh, by uh, a national group called Education Reimagined. So, uh, congratulations on that, Matt. Yeah, some someone is reading it. <laughs> but you know, the other thing that I would say is, I'll, I'll tell you a, a very quick story, and that is uh, when parents would come in, middle class parents would come in, they would know how to negotiate. Yes, uh, and oftentimes those middle class parents, they kind of saw that negotiation as quid pro quo. Sure. I'm going to do something for you. You're going to do something for me. Uh, and I mentioned that in the blog, right. uh, go, go read it. Yeah. Uh, low income families, not only did they not come in, but even if they came in, they had no concept of this quid pro quo. Nope. Right. And so if you want to talk about inequities inside of school, you know, a lot of times we focus on learners Let's, right. pay, let's let's start focusing on parents. Yep. Right. You want to talk about inequities, how certain parents know the negotiation skill. Other parents not only not know it, they they don't even think about it. Right. Right. So let me give you a quick story too, Scott. Now you know I came from healthcare my, back in my previous life. I managed medical practices, children's uh, at a children's hospital. And so what I watched was those same parents that go into a school and don't feel like they can advocate for their child in a health context or a healthcare context, they absolutely learn quickly how to advocate for their child because they understand the stakes. 
I think most parents think that their child is doing pretty good in school and they're tweaking the edges. That's why they're advocating. When in fact, there many children are doing terribly in school. Yeah. So, so to, uh, to follow through on your medical analogy, yeah. uh, <laughs> what parents don't understand is some of these schools are like really, really bad hospitals. That's right. They are like toxic conditions. That's right. Like you go in there and like, sometimes you go into a hospital and you end up dying That's when you right. shouldn't. That's right. right. And, and they, and they understand that in a hospital context, they don't understand that their child that every day feels like they are stupid because of these arcane rules, or they feel that they, uh, that, that the things that they're curious about, they never get a chance to explore that is slowly killing their child. That child is much more likely, particularly in our black and Brown communities. Now that child now is much more likely, likely to fade out of school and then enter a street life that, is deadly, just as deadly yeah. as a hospital uh, yeah. that's poorly led and poorly managed. Yeah. So that's yeah. right. Yeah. Right. So uh, all right. So we yeah. had uh, uh, plays plays of the uh, the week uh, early in the uh, podcast. Can I give you the big play? The big play. Let's hear it, Scott. Yeah. Right. I wonder. So hear here's it. my big play uh, for the week. Parents, how are things going for you right now? Hmm. Uh, are things better uh, in the middle of October? Uh, in terms of your uh, child or children's learning uh, compared to back in the springtime when everyone was struggling. My guess is that there still is a lot of struggle out there. Uh, There are parents that are really concerned about uh, their kids' learning. Uh, But Matt and I don't know that, but we want to hear from you. So send us an email. Uh, I'm Scott at theeducationgame.com. He's Matt at theeducationgame.com. And we also have a phone number, right, Matt? Right, right. So people, uh, if you've got concerns about what's happening or you or you want to just let us know how you're feeling, call this number and leave us a message. Or if I'm if I'm sitting at my computer, I'll answer it. The number is 832-210-1200, extension 1200. So let me say it again. 832-210-1200 extension 1200. Uh, call that number, leave a message, let us know how you are feeling at this moment in your time, in your in your child's education. But Scott, I'm going to add one other because you said that parents are upset and, and, and struggling. I've noticed that there's a lot of parents that are just accepting low quality, low yield, low value learning. And that is to me almost as accept, as, as troubling maybe even more troubling as the parent that is obviously uh, struggling with, uh, um, uh, with obvious, you know, deficits for their child. Agreed. Agreed. So, well, um, so again, families to share what you're feeling, go to our, send us an email at Matt at the education game.com or Scott at the education game.com or call us at 832-210-1200 extension 1200. We want to hear what you're dealing with and what you're going through uh, so that we can help you and help others through you. So thanks for that. So Scott, that's it for today. Uh, we want to good show, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, and, and so I, I appreciate your interview with, with Gasper. That's really, really, really enlightening. Such a good guy. Hey, we've got a, uh, we got a fun one coming up real quick with, with Susan Zellman. Susan used to be the uh, 
state superintendent uh, for education in the state of Ohio. So everyone stay tuned for that. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we want to personally thank all of you for taking the time today to listen to the education game. This has been brought to you by Community Health Choice, a friend of ours and a friend of the community. We also have been supported by Patreon. Uh, And these are individual supporters who have contributed. So go to patreon.com slash the education game if you'd like to join our support. This program has been produced by Pottery Studios. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about the show at theeducationgame.com. You can also sign up for one of our webinars or schedule an opportunity to call in to the show. Just like I gave you the number a moment ago, you can call in and we can maybe uh, have, have you on the air as well. Again, the, the website is theeducationgame.com. Our guest this week was Gasper Meir. Our producer for the show is Bo York, and I've been your host, Matt Barnes, along with Scott Van Beck. And we look forward to speaking with you again very soon right here on The Education Game. Thanks. Everyone stay safe. <laughs>